0: I love traveling, I love animals, I love to help animals. The goal is to help as many animals as possible. And my big, big goal that I know that sounds really big, but we'll be able to part in the global percentage of animals with families in the world.
1: listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 42 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Scott, and thank you so much for being here today. By the way, I can't remember if I explained it on the podcast or just on social media, but we did change the episode numbers of the podcast a few weeks ago. And if it looked like we skipped a few, <laughs> you didn't miss anything. What happened is that we've had so many two part episodes with guests that When you go on to Apple Podcasts or some of the other podcatchers, they do their own numbering. And so I had to make a jump in my episode numbers because it was just getting very confusing, even for me. So we are on episode 42 today, and we're going to hear from Marta Negro of Help the Dog Fly. And Marta has such an incredible life story and story about how Help the Dog Fly was born like she has lived an extremely different life from me. And I really loved that I had this opportunity to to connect with her and to hear from her and hear what her life and her experiences have been like. And I love that even when we have such different experiences in life, we still have our love of dogs that can connect and unite all of us, no matter where we were born or what our lives have looked like or what our experiences have been. Marta was born in Spain and the community where she grew up had a really interesting bartering system called time banking, where instead of paying in money, you pay with your time. So neighbors will trade their services in hours of time. And this system, this bartering system, has really impacted Marta and the way that she views the world. And you'll hear about how this bartering and time banking system plays into the values of her company as well. Marta's gonna share with us about her travels around the world which led to her falling in love with a dog in Thailand in March of 2020. Now, if March of 2020 holds any significance to you, you may recall something pretty big happened in the world around that time. So Marta had to make the decision to return home to Scotland, leaving her dog behind because there wasn't enough time for her to get all of the paperwork ready. We have actually learned in some of our other podcast episodes from guests that it's a three to four month process when you want to travel with your dog between different countries, because you have to get certain vaccines done. You have to wait 90 days. They have to check the amount of rabies vaccine in their blood system. This is called a titer uh, to make sure that the dog is safe to travel into other countries And obviously, Marta was trying to get home so that she didn't get stuck in another country away from her family, but that meant she had to leave Tispa, her dog, behind. And Marta spent a lot of time, several months trying to figure out, well, how am I going to get tea spa from Thailand to Scotland? And what she discovered is that there's all these different Facebook groups and people are just trying to spread the word and kind of ad hoc, find somebody who might be traveling that could help. And Marta's like, no, 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 we need like one single clearinghouse for this. And she spent all this time looking for such a thing and she couldn't find it. So she decided to start it herself. And that's what Help the Dog Fly is all about. I can't wait for you to hear her story. But first, I just want to mention that I'm going to need you to stick around till the end of the episode so that I can tell you all the details about an upcoming giveaway that I'm going to have. I'm super excited about it, and I think you will be too. So now, let's get started with Marta Negro of Help the Dog Fly. So we are here today with Marta Negro from Help the Dog Fly. Hi, Marta. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for inviting me. Yes, thank you so much for being here. You have such an interesting and amazing life and i'm so excited for everybody to hear about it i am not somebody who has done a lot of traveling and so you have like such this adventurous spirit that i love and i I can't wait to share it with the world i'm happy to share my story then so you grew up in spain is that
0: correct yeah i'm from madrid from from spain and i lived there for half of my life and then i start traveling and i discovered the world of traveling and i just didn't stop since then
1: and so did you grow up uh as an animal lover did you have a lot of dogs or other pets growing up
0: yeah i had i've been lucky because i had a house with a little garden uh so i was always been surrounded by mostly cats at the beginning then i had one dog uh that passed away after just 4 4 years it was a boxer And developed some cancer and it was really traumatic because we fight my sister and i for so long with my parents saying we need we want that dog we want that dog then we got our dog and sadly she got sick really quick and we couldn't enjoy her so much Uh, but then my cats they were really particular cats and they behave always like dogs so you were calling them they were coming with with us and when we were going to the school when we were when we were kids they were coming with us, uh, bring it to the door, and then waiting for us until we were coming back home. So they were, Aww. I don't know, if listening the bell when we were finishing and coming back to the same place. But they were always there, looking like waiting for us. So I I, I didn't live much with with dogs when I was a kid, but I had other animals around that they were pretty amazing as well.
1: Oh, I love that. <laughs> and so you were telling me an interesting story about the community where you grew up in Spain, and the idea of bartering. Uh, Can you tell us more about that? Because this was so interesting to me and so different from my experience, for sure.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not from the capital, so I live like 20 kilometers away from the city center of Madrid. Um, So I had not the countryside, but we were like really, at the beginning, um, a lot of community and you could know your neighbors really easy. And we developed what is called a bank timing that basically is like every neighbor Uh, or everyone in in the world, they have a special skill that they are really good at it. Like can be, I don't know, do massage or walking dogs or uh, write love letters that my mom does that. (laughs) So you offer your skill. And sometimes your neighbors, they need that skill, like fixing the toilet, something. So they come, they help you out and you pay them with one hour or two hours, depending on the time that they spend. And now they have that uh, hour to spend it in another service with another neighbor. So if I help a neighbor, then I'm gonna have another hour to enjoy. I don't know a massage that someone offered to me. So it was always a bartering, and I think that is a really nice thing because nowadays uh, it seems like everything works just with the money. So um, this uh, I didn't. It wasn't really an um, initiative when I was a kid, but when I was a teenager. So when I start traveling. I always wanted to do volunteering around because I didn't want to be remembered as just a tourist that was paying $100 uh, for a hotel. So I wanted to be remembered for something that I was leaving a positive footprint that I was leaving behind. So when I did my trip alone, because I traveled before many times, I live in Mexico, I live in Colombia, uh, but then I wanted to travel alone around the world, I decided to take that initiative of partnering around the world. And that is what I did, and um, well, that is a, is, is a bit ahead, but that is when I uh, had the idea of how dog fly
1: Wow, you have just had some amazing experiences. This is so different from any of the experiences i 've ever had in my life or my travels. And I really appreciate your, your sharing that outlook and, and how your background has impacted your idea of world travel. Again, that's so different from, from any of my experiences. And have you spent time in Italy, too? I know you said one of your dogs was from Italy. So five
0: years ago, I met my my partner here in Edinburgh. Um, I came here just to improve my English and to have more job opportunities. And we met here and she already have this dog that she rescued from Italy. Oh, okay. So actually, one of the things that uh, catch her eye was my way to interact with the dog, because she was uh, making the interview um, for, to get a, a roommate. And so I was the only person who actually played with the dogs, who played the dog, and I sat there with the dog uh, before to see the room or anything. So that is what she liked. <laughs> and then we became um, partners, and she led traveling and thing. But then uh, we've been together for the last four years. So Ikisi, that is the name, she became my dog as well. And I had to learn Italian to, to try to control her because uh, we speak in Italian with her. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So at the beginning, the first conversation that I could have was a conversation with a dog. So when I was meeting uh, my partner's parent, I was like, mm, I just know how to say, sit, uh, give me the ball. And I don't think that it's really useful to talk with uh, your father or your mother-in-law. Um, yeah, but little, little by little. Good girl.
1: <laughs> yeah, good girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and so tell me about your trip around the world. This again, just you wanted to do it by yourself like that blows my mind. <laughs> like I could never imagine traveling by myself. And and where were your different stops and and tell me all about those.
0: So as I said I always had a background of traveling. I finished my degree in Mexico, then I went traveling to Colombia and I stayed there for 2 years and a half. So I moved pretty like a lot, but I always been doing it or going somewhere um, to study where you have the support of the university or or going with someone else, with friends. So I always wanted to travel alone because I, I was scared to do it, but I always thought, why have to stop to do something that I love just for the fear? So I need to face it. So I decided and I took the decision to set a time and say, this day I'm going. So that date was in September of 2019. And I started in Poland. And one of the things that I was doing was the bartering. So, all around Poland, a part of traveling, doing hitchhiking, and that I had a really good experience. I crossed all Poland doing hitchhiking, it was really nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I stopped in different cities and I was um, volunteering in hostels and in get, in get, uh, getting free accommodation, or then speaking with people. I like, exchanged, I don't know, um Spanish omelette in exchange of a photo shoot ses- session. So I was getting nice pictures in a nice city in a chain of cooking. So I was always doing that in all my, in all the destinations. So from there, I went to Russia. I did all the Trans-Siberian route. I stayed in Russia like two months and a half. I was as well doing different volunteerings. I stayed in Moscow and I was um, uh, the metro tour guide of Moscow. Uh, It was really nice because I learned a lot and... And in Spain as well, I was getting free accommodation. So I was doing different things along the way, developing websites, uh, doing videos, everything, until I arrived to Thailand. Um, that I went to a shelter, a dog shelter in the north of Thailand, in Khon um, to a foundation. This is called Safe Soul, Safe Soul Foundation, and they had five hundred dogs. They still have five hundred dogs and like five
1: hundred dogs
0: yeah, wow. and like forty cats or fifty cats, like a huge place. Um, So I spent there at the beginning, the first time, like almost two weeks and it was life changing. Like it was a really hard experience because it was the first time that I saw a dog dying. It's true. Uh, It was really hard for that. Every day uh, there was something going on, like, I don't know, um, a spider, like a snake uh, bite a dog and then in the morning the dog was dead or they were fighting between each other, or they were sick and they don't have enough resources. But then on the other hand, it was the best experience in my life because you you had the bad side, but then you see when a dog um, is changing, every time that it sees you, and that is what happened with my dog, with TISPA. So I entered in in one of the crates the first day, and they told me just try to socialize with the dogs And so they can start smelling you and they can get confident with you. So I just sat in one of the bamboo tables that they had and I left the dogs to approach me. So I remember in that crate there were three or four dogs and two of them, they were all running, really scared all around, not doing anything. And she came to me and she had like a really big bite in the head. I think one of the roommates bite her and many, many animals, like many dogs, they were bullying her because she was one of the weak on the on the crate. And so I took her with me to the bed, to the clinic. And for the next 10 days, I was the one taking out of the of the crate and putting it in the, in the table to take all the care. And I was seeing how she was changing. Like the first day, she didn't want to go out of the crate. And then the second day, she was a bit more happy to see me. And then until the last day, that she didn't want to go inside again. Um, so talking with my partner, I say, well, if I will adopt one dog, I think it would be her. And she asked me, why you don't do it? I say, well, we have a dog at home. I'm still traveling. You know, it's pretty hard to adopt abroad. And I remember to think about it and think I'm going to regret if I don't do it, to be honest. And I think one of the worst things in your life is to regret about something. So I start informing myself how to do it. I start all the process to put it all the, all the ravis vaccines and all the paperwork. And usually to prepare a dog to fly takes between three and four months. They, you need to send, when there is a country that they have rabies. you need to send all the blood to test it in Europe, for example. Right. And they tell you they have the enough antibodies to, to travel and to fight the the rabbits after the vaccine and then you need to stop uh, like a wait after that uh, i think 90 days so it's like a long wait yeah so um, i start all the process and i say i'm gonna keep going traveling uh, around asia and then when she's gonna get ready to fly i'm gonna go back and bring it with me and this was March 2020 <laughs> and what happened in March 2020 <laughs> that COVID happened I was in Myanmar By that time they were starting to close all the borders because uh, Myanmar has um, the border with China as well right. uh, so they wanted to close everything I was like I don't want to get stuck here in Myanmar no, so no. I ran to Thailand and I said at least if I want to get stuck it's in Thailand with my dog I can stay there in the shelter helping animals while all this craziness uh, goes away. So I arrived again to a shelter and I stayed there and my plan was was to stay the next two months. eh, That that was the time that I was needing to to prepare this path to fly. But then all my family and friends from Europe, they were saying, Marta, this seems worse than it is. Why you don't come back? If something happens, you are going to be closer to us. Uh, And my heart was like... You know, I don't want to leave her behind because I took the decision to to bring her. I made her the promise that she was coming with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the end, I had to put it in balance and, you know, I had to put my family in before than, mm-hmm. than the dog. So I came back um, and from the distance, I was looking for different options to bring her. Uh, so I found out that I could do it through cargo flight, which was really expensive, like $2,000 more or less. Then there were different companies that they, they use travelers as well and they charge you uh, more, um, around $800, more or less. And then I found out the figure of a transport volunteer that basically they are travelers, that they are going to do the same way that the animal needs to do and they they do it. like They agree to, to move the animal and to bring it to you. So to find a flight volunteer was really difficult like I struggle a lot, um currently, there was in that moment just uh, Facebook groups where you can post uh, like I need this dog to be moved from this from this place to this place and and you try your luck to see someone see that post and exactly match the travel that they need to do
1: right. so
0: I for I was like for more uh, more than a month trying every day posting posting, posting until I found a travel volunteer. Uh, But then she got (laughs) the the flight canceled because of COVID. So Mm -hmm. everything, it started everything. So it was a really anxious moment. But long story short, I managed to bring TISPA to Europe, um, to Paris. And then we we drove to, to Scotland. And during the way, I was thinking, must be many people that they struggle as I did. Like I was waking up in the morning really anxious to know if i will find a a person who would bring me my dog you know because i was feeling that i was failing her i was failing my um my my word or saying i'm going to bring you with
1: me right so how long did it take uh when did she finally make it to paris so i came back in march
0: and by the end of july she was already in oh okay yeah, so that's it was several months yeah, yeah several months and I was one of the lucky ones because there were many people that they've been waiting for years to try to move their dog so I was pretty lucky Um, so yeah that happened and I started researching saying, must be a platform where you can post that you have this dog or if you are a traveler that you can offer yourself and not use Facebook because all the information gets lost after a while and that creates anxiety because you have to be almost every day posting to try to find someone um, so, I couldn't find any platform like that. So, I say, well, what if I create it? <laughs> um, by that time, I started university again uh, to study web design and development. So, I still don't have the technology, like the IT knowledge to do everything. Uh, but uh, after speaking with a group of masterminds where I am, that every every week we meet and we talk about our uh, online projects and things... Uh, one of the, the guys say, look, I think I, I want to help you. You know, I like so much the story. I like so much the project. I think it has potential. So um, he's in charge of all the technical things and I develop all the designs, all the website and all the stuff. So now we're a team of two people. And in August of 2021, uh, we launched the first MVP, like the, the minimal platform. Uh, we, we had like 60 people signing in and testing the platform saying, look, this doesn't work well or this is better that way. And then we change it. And since September of 2021, we are running just with uh, volunteers and
1: and pet parents signing in. With Help the Dog Fly. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh, I just the story is so just amazing. And so, OK, I have a couple of things I want to ask. First of all, how does T-SPA like Scotland? Because I'm imagining this is a totally different lifestyle.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, Well, at the beginning, it was really funny because we arrived to to Paris. You know, that is a big city. She was poor, so scared of everything, of cars. Uh, We had to move using the metro and she was really scared with all the noise. Um, but the funny thing is when we faced it for the la- for the first time some stairs, she didn't know how to go down so i, I guess that she never had to go down yeah. stairs in Thailand. <laughs> I don't know
1: yeah,
0: and then uh she didn't know usually how the doors they work. She was right. waiting in the opposite way where they where they open until she Aww. learned that they opens they open in the other way um so yeah it was it was funny seeing her. See her? Uh, she was scared of many people, especially men. Uh, I think she had a trauma or... Because she's coming from the dog meat market. Uh, she was rescued from one of these trucks that they are sent to Vietnam because in Vietnam the the dog meat is still legal. So in, in Thailand after 1992 it's illegal to eat uh, dog, dog meat. Um, so they import and they send the dogs to Vietnam where it's still legal. So they they still can you can find still trucks illegal trucks trying to arrive to Vietnam with dogs.
1: So yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to ask too. So in Thailand, uh you were saying there's like a huge street dog population, right? Where they just kind of are left to their own devices to survive. They're not really having a lot of positive interactions with humans. And the interactions they are having are people trying to get them on these trucks until she made it to the rescue, uh, Saved Souls Foundation. So basically, basically
0: there, um, what I've been told, uh, because the, the founder of this project has been in Thailand for many years, she's from Sweden, or not Switzerland. Um, and she was telling me that in 1992, you could see like different trucks, like the ice cream trucks, that they have a special music when they arrive. So people, they knew that the, these trucks, they were arriving, so they were taking dogs from the street. And in exchange, they were giving them like a plastic bucket or something that they had. So they were bartering dogs for things, you know, oh, wow. because in that time they were legal to do that. It was legal. Um, so after 1992, that luckily <laughs> you couldn't see it anymore, uh, but it became a legal thing. And now the government, what they do uh, when they take or when they intercept one of these trucks, they send them to a shelter from the government, from the Thai government. So the shelters in Thailand, they rescue animals from the government shelter because they don't have really good conditions in the shelters of the government. So they bring them to the private ones where they can live a bit better. So this pack was rescued from one of these government shelters.
1: Is it like a shelter that I'm thinking of like in America where people go and adopt the dogs or no? (laughs) (laughs) Well, people can do that.
0: When I was there in Safe Souls, I saw a couple of dogs getting adopted from Thai people, but that is not a regular thing, let's say. Um, And I understand because in the countryside where I was, many people, they didn't have resources. So if they don't have resources for themselves, Right. Why they should take another responsibility of a right. dog, right? right
1: no, I understand yeah
0: um, but then people they are i when I was there, I could see two different type of people, the one that they were really aware of the needs of an animal and they were taking care of them really well, another one that they were treating them like objects, so I remember one case when I was there that we went to rescue one of the dogs from a man that was living in the in the um, in the village. And when I saw that dog, I don't know if they would ever feed him, like he was old, like it was like ten years, but you could could just see bones the The owner wasn't taking care of him, and one of the women had to talk with him, say, "Look, give us the dog, we are gonna take care of him, probably he's really sick and the 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 guy agreed to give it to us, but even with us there, he was pulling from the dog like so bad that the dog couldn't breathe for the chain. And I was shocked and I was saying, Look, look, like the, the dog cannot breathe, you know? And and they were doing that with us around. So imagine with us
1: being Not around. Right. So it's happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there were many cases. Like now, recently I was speaking with one of the volunteers that was still there. They leave, I don't know, puppies there in the road in a bag and they drop them. So they find them, or it's every day something, is something new.
1: Wow, then, that's so unimaginable.
0: <laughs> so many options that the animals that they are there in Thailand, they are to get um, adoption from abroad. So there are many dogs that they get adopted in Germany, in France, or in Canada, in the United
1: States. And so you actually mentioned something to me that... In Scotland, where you are, it's actually kind of difficult to adopt a dog unless you have like a home with a backyard. Yeah. And so that like rules out anybody living in an apartment. (laughs) It's like you are not entitled (laughs) for a dog. (laughs) Yeah. So I found that fascinating because I know, I see it sometimes more with private organizations here in the US where there's like all of these requirements, like you have to have, you know, a single family home and a yard and a fence and a six foot fence and, you know, and, and I, it's like you understand that maybe like their intentions are good, but you're limiting, you're really narrowing down and limiting the amount of good homes that are, are out there. And, and you, you, we all know like dogs can kind of, dogs are very adaptable. They can live in a, an apartment. They can go on elevators and go upstairs and you take them for a walk and, you know, they can live this really amazingly happy life. That way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it really, you know, Uh, drove home to me like why the service that you know you're you're talking about of you know we want to have dogs and we're we're bringing them in from other places because there's some strange restrictions here yeah yeah so I'm
0: I'm aware that here uh there are many uh, dogs from Romania they have like a different I I think shelters they speak with between them and they agreed to bring some dogs and also from Spain Uh, We were talking before that all the greyhounds in Spain, uh, we have a lot of problem with the hunting, that when they don't do the work anymore, they get killed or they get abandoned. Uh, So uh, we have a lot of them that they come from Spain. And I've seen them around. And I always say, talking like, where is this dog coming from? (laughs) And usually (laughs) they are from
1: Romania or from Spain. Okay. Yeah, this is so interesting to me because, you know, in the U.S., nearly all the dogs are from the U S so it was like interesting to me to think about like sort of more on like a global and, and, uh, dogs coming in from other countries and all. And I, we do hear these stories every once in a while here, but yeah, I mean, primarily, but I guess it's almost like coming from another state in the U S you know, um, which, which we do see a lot where like in the Southern part of the U S there aren't as many resources for the shelters. So a lot of times they'll truck the dog's to other parts of the country that do have more resources and more homes available and stuff. So I guess it's similar. (laughs) Yeah, I think
0: uh, also in the United States, uh, there are not so much movement of adoptions. Um, it's more like, as we were talking before, if there's a family that gets relocated and they don't have time to prepare all the paperwork, they cannot bring the dog with them. But in Canada, I, I've seen many people adopting from abroad, so I don't know how they are the restriction of adoption in Canada, <laughs> uh, but I've seen many like from Bangkok to Vancouver or Toronto that they are waiting to to be moved there
1: right so yeah so you have this platform now called help the dog fly I'm gonna make sure we have a link in the show notes so that everybody can go check it out because your website looks so awesome you have this great graphic that kind of explains the whole process you can see the dogs that like I was just looking at them like there's this one guy who just was like laying with his belly up and I was just like oh my god like I'm ready to go fly there just to help him get home you know <laughs> yeah
0: you know that's the reason to travel now bring a dog we just do it for the
1: dog <laughs> <laughs> That's like totally something I would do. <laughs> I um I'll tell you something that I have not actually shared on the podcast yet. Um my husband and I had a situation recently where there was somebody in our universe who had a dog that they weren't really able to take care of anymore. And the dog was was a little poodle. She was 12 years old. She had gone blind. She had some health issues. And she really needed a new place to stay. So I was working every connection that I have to help find this dog a new home. But it's for a 12-year-old blind dog, you know. So... I had some amazing friends who were were helping me kind of network the dog and posting it in different places. And I get a call and it's like this perfect situation. It's like exactly what I envisioned. It's a retired woman and she used to foster dogs for a rescue. So she's had like 60 special needs dogs like in and out of her house before. So she's experienced with older dogs, she's experienced with special needs. And, and she's home all day and she only has one other dog in her house currently and she wants him and, it, and that's a senior dog. So she wanted him to have a buddy. And it's like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. But she lives five hours away in Ohio. <laughs> so my husband and I made a road trip uh, on a Saturday in January and we drove there and back in the same day. <laughs> Wow. And we got this dog the perfect new home, and she's doing so much better, and all her medical issues are being cared for, and I'm getting photos and updates of her. And every once in a while, I'll just look at my husband and be like, we drove to Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> But that was just what we really felt like we needed to do, and it was just the perfect situation. And I had gotten all kinds of I like, you know, because she had worked with a rescue, I was able to get references, and everybody's like, "This is the perfect place." And so, you know, it was worth it to us to take a day out of our lives to do this trip, you know. And so, um, so my heart is really with your your purpose here.
0: <laughs> well, you could right. have fine a uh, volunteer. Exactly. Hopefully, in in a nearly future, we're gonna have thousands of volunteers, and so you can pick from
1: from (laughs) the one that you want. Yes, I I hope so. So, oh my gosh, so you are just doing really cool things in just a really short amount of time too. Since since you started, so it's very exciting so yeah so tell us about we kind of touched on it a little bit about some of the stories of why like some of them are just people who want to adopt from abroad but sometimes like you said there's like families who are told like you've got to move and (laughs) you
0: you get a new job or something and sometimes depend on the country where you are going you need to prepare your dog it's not an easy task so, or there are other options where a traveler fell in love of a dog and then <laughs> has to prepare the dog for it. Or we had as well another situation where a girl was going to go to United States to study. Um, but her visa, I think, well, was a problem with the visa that she couldn't enter until 30 days before and the dog had en- has to enter like before that um, date. So she was looking for someone to bring the dog and then she will fly after. So there are many different situations where like to move an animal is needed.
1: Right. And so sometimes it's because somebody's trying to adopt it. And then sometimes it's the family's own dog and they need help for their situation. So I I thought that was really interesting. The
0: idea is always was born for adopted animals like dogs and cats. But we are open as well. If you need, if an animal needs a, a hand, obviously we are going to try
1: to help. Doesn't matter, it is not adopted. I think you have some great stories right on your website.
0: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy every time that there's a, a dog here, I can read their story. Today I got contact from Korea uh, that they have a few dogs that they needed as well to relocate. And they were trying as well to do the same job that we are doing, trying to reach a people and to tell them look in your next trip uh, because in the end more than 70 percent of travelers they don't know that they can do that and I was a traveler and before my trip I I traveled a lot and until I didn't have this situation with TISPA I didn't realize that there was a figure of a transport volunteer
1: right
0: so there are many many people that they can benefit to give an extra purpose to their trip and I think they will they will do it. The only thing is that we need to educate them because there's nothing like us right now in internet. So we have double task.
1: <laughs> so tell us about the process for the the person who's a volunteer. That's like, hey, I'm going to you know this country and I'm going to that country, so I can help. So what what does that look like? So you enter in the website,
0: you register as a volunteer. And there you need to just fill your profile with a bit of your details. We like to know who is behind. So we always say, like, tell us a bit about yourself um, because people relate with the story. So it's good to know who is behind. And always uh, we have a system to um, to verify users. So if they pay a little fee, um, we can, through a, a call, we can know if the person who they are saying they are with an ID they are. So we verify them in the platform so they have a badge and they know that that person is real. You know, we give a bit of trust on that. Um, so after that, if they have a trip, um, there are two options. You already have the ticket and you have what well, can be a flight, a train, a car. But let's say that is a flight. So you already have the ticket. Um, So you put the date of the ticket from where you are going to to the destination, the date, how many travelers they are going, and that's it. And you enter in a searcher. So that searcher, uh, the pet parents, they have access to. So they can look for you, and if they match with with your trip, they are going to contact you. The other option is if you don't have the ticket, but you have the intention, because sometimes we do trips in advance, but we don't have the ticket yet, I'm saying okay. I, in summer, I'm gonna go to Italy. So I'm saying I, my my times are flexible. So I don't have the exact date. So it's good because I can move around depending of the pet needs. And I say the same from to approximate date. And then if they contact me, I can play around with the dates to try to fit the pet needs. So that would be the the tra- the traveler. Basically, it's just to be proactive and put your your future trips or your intention to travel and then the other profile is the pet parent so the pet parent they enter they register as well and they have to create a form for the pet so they have a picture with the story as well we always encourage to say tell us about your dog but then we set it in social media and people they like to listen to stories and they we like to touch people's hearts you know because that is how it works so usually the same uh, from which destination to where to arrive, uh, the weight of the dog, that is important because usually if they are more than eight kilos, they have to go on hold. If not, they can go in the cabin. And then that's it, basically. So they enter as well in a database where the travelers, they can find them. So they both profile, either travelers or pet parents, they can be proactive and they can find themselves. So it's like a... Skyscanner or a Google of uh, pets and travelers.
1: Right. That was actually a question I had for you too uh, with the weight of the dog and whether they can ride, um, fly in the cabin or in like the, the cargo area. Does that matter to you? Do they have to be able to fly in the cabin or is it okay? It depends on the preference of the traveler. Okay. Uh, if the traveler is willing to take,
0: usually cats, they are the one that they travel the most in cabins if they are willing to take the the animal with them in the cabin is up to them
1: or because I, I guess sometimes you hear that it can be like dangerous for pets to fly in the cargo area To um so i i like that always makes me nervous
0: <laughs> well i had the same worry when Tispa flew and i was getting informed and apparently um there is a special or i don't know if on in all the flights or in all the planes, but there is a special area for animals where they have the same temperature and the same pressure than the passenger cabin. Oh, okay. So they should be fine. Okay. Because I was the same, and I was to the guy who was preparing this, but to fly, uh, are you putting a blanket to her in the crate? Are you putting that? I say, no, there's no need. Actually, it's, it's going to be warm. You know, it's better it just has a couple of um, towels, and, and that's it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but I had the same worry. I don't know if it's with all companies because also I, I read some news, not really often, but the animals, they struggle in cabins, mm-hmm. uh, in the on hold. Um, mm-hmm. so don't know if it's in, in all their airlines.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad you looked into this because you just hear these kind of horror stories every once in a while in the news. So I didn't even know that there were. Planes that did have temperature controlled areas. So that's the thing I was definitely wondering about.
0: And then for the traveler, actually, it's really easy. Um, if that much happened, uh, let's say that the responsibility of the dog owner, of the cat owner, is to have the animal ready. So they have to handle all the paperwork. They have to handle how the animal is going to arrive to the, to the airport. So actually the traveler, the only thing that has to do is to include the animal in their booking um, because there are certain limits of uh, animals per flight. So you need to be sure. I don't know if there are four or five or ten per flight, but you always have to request that. And once it's accepted, that's it. You need just to present yourself the day of the flight, do the check-in with the help of someone. So that is always in charge of the paperwork either from the shelter or someone that is in charge of managing all the paperwork. So the traveler is 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 going to have always a hand from someone. And then you leave the dog or the cat and then you pick it up in the destination and you give it to the family that is going to be really happy to receive it. So it's, yes. not, it's not really a hassle. Maybe it's a bit of extra time, like maybe one hour more until you do the checking and then you pick it up. But it's not really a
1: hassle, to be honest. It sounds like you try to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the other things that I really liked about your company and what you're saying on your website is your values. And I know like, you really value transparency and community and sustainability. And do you want to talk about why that's important to you and what that, that looks like for Help the Dog Fly? Well, since I started
0: this project, um, one of my goals, a part of helping animals, is try to make it my full-time job, because I know if I put all my time in this, I can help many animals. Um, so I want to be transparent with everything. So right now, we are not earning any money. We are transparent about that as well. So we are <laughs> just putting our uh, how many hours we, we work in our project, how many expenses we have, um, how much income we have as well in case that we have donations. So um, I would like to see that in every company. doesn't matter if it's a um, social enterprise, as it's our, or if it's an NGO. I would like to see everything. So that's why I want to apply it to my project. And in the future, if I manage to get my goal to make this my full-time job, everyone will be able to check how much is my salary because I have known nothing to hide. So I want to feel that people that they want to invest in our project because it's transparent and because right. also they can be part of it. We have many, many plans on mine. Um, people is going to be able to see where their money goes. So we are going to have certain money for help dogs that, I don't know, we heard that there are dogs that they've been waiting for two or three years. We will find out why there's not any traveler doing that route. Okay, so we are going to pay that, that route. So we are going to have different money that is going to be always reinvested in the platform. Every income is going to be reinvested in the platform because the goal is to help as many animals as possible. And my big, big goal, that I know that sounds really big, uh, but we'll be able to to impact in the global percentage of animals with families in the world. So if we make the, the task of traveling or the transport the animal easier, may, maybe more people will adopt an animal. Right. So I would
1: like to do that. I know that sounds really big, but I think you need to have big goals, right? Yes, I, I love that. And, you know, that's what helps keep us going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I think you had given a statistic that worldwide only 25% of dogs have a home. Yeah. So that yeah. means 75% of dogs in the world don't actually have like a home or a family. Yeah. And so, like you said, if you can help, make a dent in those numbers like that's amazing and that's a worthwhile reason to get up and out of bed every morning you know (laughs) yeah
0: yeah that's that's the goal and then um other of our our values is to be to help to communicate as i said um one of the problems that i had was to find a flight volunteer to connect with people easily Uh, so we want to make that that task easy. So having a searcher where the people, they communi- communicate between each other made the contact easy. And always, also we don't want to like have a little, um, how it's called, a little um, small print. No, we want to be clear with everything. So right. <laughs> we try to explain all the process really clear, all the responsibilities that the travelers, they have, all the responsibilities that the pet parents, they have. Um, we didn't mention that sometimes uh, pet parents, they reward the travelers, um, and usually uh, 70% of the times they reward with money, with pocket okay. money. Um, so as I don't believe with all the bartering thing just in money, um, we want to set some rules and with that. So we don't want that this became like a business, that people learn money with it. So we always encourage to not offer more money than the ticket price. Okay. One, that is one of the things. And then the other one, we have the options to, that the pet parents, they can offer accommodation instead of money. So if the traveler arrives and they can give them, I don't know, um, a hotel, or even if I will be flying to, I don't know, again, to Italy, and the family wants to host me for a week in exchange because I bring them their dog, I would be happy to have um, an experience with an Italian family and discovering the city with a, with a local. Right. So we always offer as well that option or give a gift, a present, or not give anything because this is a volunteering thing. Right. So we want to be as well really open about that and, and really clear with everything. And then the last thing is the sustainability. Um, right now we are not doing it because as I say, we don't have profit, but in the moment that this is going to grow for every successful tree that is going to happen, we want to plant a tree in Scotland. So we want to reduce as well the CO2 that uh, planes and our Mm -hmm. life as well, uh, impact in the world. So yeah, that are our basic um, values.
1: (laughs) No, I think that's great. And I like, I wish more companies were upfront about, more purposeful about we actually have values that we want to bring into the world, and it's not just all about money <laughs> exactly yes. um, so yeah, so i like I, I totally just believe in in what you're doing and and believe in operating that way in in life and and quite frankly, the world would be a better place if we all did that you know oh, but this is not my my
0: first uh, project um I had other projects that they weren't successful, and I think one of the reasons. A part of that I didn't have the same knowledge that I have now, is that I wasn't in line with the values of them. So right. sometimes I wasn't feeling to shout my story about that project in question. But this one for me is, is like perfect. I love traveling. I love animals. I love to help animals. So this is the first time that I feel so in line with a project that right. I wanted to make it work. Right. <laughs> so it's important that the values of what you are doing as well they go in line with what, what you want to do because if not in at some point it's not going to work. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes like shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, yes.
0: <laughs> you know, if I if I wouldn't feel that for this project, I wouldn't put me in the in this situation for me that is a challenge to have an interview in English because it's not my mother tongue. So I wouldn't put me in uncomfortable situation for the project and I do it because I really believe in it and I want it to work so that's why sometimes you need the values to be really like in line and have the roots of of who you are
1: well I just want to say that I think your English is amazing <laughs> thanks <laughs> and I appreciate you know I I didn't think about that and I I appreciate you stepping outside of your comfort zone to do this with us because it didn't occur to me that it was outside your comfort zone. No. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and I, I appreciate you. And I, um, I I think you're doing a great job. Thanks. <laughs> and I think everybody listening will think so too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am so excited that I got to meet you. And I just remembered I forgot to tell one part of the T-Spa story, which is the video. You have a YouTube video. I have watched it Like numerous times. And I'm going to make sure we share it in the show notes for the audience so that they can see. And I mean, it really shows the Save Souls Foundation um, property. It has a visual of what this street dog life looks like for them. I think it says something about, you know, you can see the scars on her body are a reminder of the life that she has led and it's, but it's, but it's hopeful and it's optimistic and it's, you know, it, it's why this is important and it, it really drives home, help the dog fly as well. That, you know, these are the dogs, you know, it puts a face in the story to the dogs that are being helped. And uh, so I really want to make sure that everybody who's, who's listening gets a chance to watch that.
0: Well, and if they like it, we are preparing. This is a. A new, a new, we are preparing an ambassador experience who is going to be to be a volunteer in, volunteer in Safe Soil Foundation, uh, being an ambassador of Dog Fly, so they oh, can yeah. have a volunteering experience with dogs and then maybe in their way back they can help to bring a dog as well, if there is oh, wow. any dog needing so stay tuned because maybe we're going to launch it soon.
1: <laughs> oh, that's exciting. You heard it here first.
0: So it's a, a, it's a, yeah, actually it's the first time that I said. And now that I said it it has to happen. Because exactly. so I'm working on it.
1: <laughs> well, Marta, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story, for doing this all in English. <laughs> like, you are awesome. I can't wait for everybody to hear about this. And, and I hope that it inspires more people to, to consider this uh, on their travels.
0: Well, thank you for your time and thank you for giving me the space to tell my story, Erin. Thank you.
1: Okay, how amazing is Marta? Marta's story is exactly what I had in mind when I wanted to start this podcast. I love the idea of people just being so inspired by the love of their dog that it makes them want to take some action in the world and to help change the world and make it a better place. And I love that she has this huge goal to help increase the amount of dogs that are in homes around the world. This episode and this conversation with Marta really gave me You know, a chance to have some perspective and and to step back and think about what dogs and the situation of dogs looks like on a more global level. I was really blown away by the statistic that only 25% of dogs in the world are actually in a home and when i hear these stories like marta shared about the street dogs in thailand and we heard before from the women of the doghood who grew up in india about the street dog problem there and you know again that's so different from from anything i've ever witnessed or experienced in my life and i i guess me as a person i i enjoy just hearing and learning about what things are like in other parts of the world and trying to you know <laughs> erase some of my ugly americanism <laughs> And realized that, you know, the U.S. is not indicative of of what things are like worldwide. And I was so just, you know, amazed by the travels that Marta has made. You know, I am not somebody who has really traveled a lot internationally. Uh, My husband and I did go to Antigua on our honeymoon. And other than that, the only other time I've ever left the country was when my parents took us to the Canadian side of Niagara Falls when I was 14. But hearing about this opportunity to to fly and to travel and to do good and make some positive impact in the world, that actually does make me think more about the opportunity of traveling. I love the whole idea about taking a volunteer vacation to help out at the Save Souls Foundation in Thailand. That's totally something I could see myself doing. And even if you don't have any plans for international travel in the near future, I hope that you will still check out Marta's Help the Dog Fly website because I just found it so interesting to read all the different stories about the dogs and and learn about them and their families. And Marta and Victor really have built this really cool website. And every time that I go to helpthedogfly.com, I can see that they've been doing more updates and adding new features and functions. And so I know that Marta and Victor are very hard at work over there. Also make sure that you check the link in the show notes to the YouTube video about T-Spa and her story. Marta put together this whole video that has footage from when she first was introduced to T-Spa at the Save Souls Foundation, so you can get a visual of of what that looks like in Thailand and about T-Spa's background and how she came to be in Scotland with Marta. Uh, This was before Marta even had the idea for Help the Dog Fly, so this is really just sharing T-Spa's story as well as you know giving a visual to the the perspective of street dogs in in this part of the world it was really moving and powerful for for me to watch and i've watched it several times and can we also just take another moment to acknowledge that Marta did that whole interview in english and english is not her native language You know, she grew up in Spain, obviously Spanish is her native language, and yet here she is out mastering the English language, which is extremely difficult to learn, and you know, half the people that speak English can't even speak proper English, (laughs) but here's Marta giving whole interviews because she's so passionate about spreading the word, about help the dog fly, and helping more dogs around the world. So Marta, just thank you again. Again, I was the ugly American who never even considered that this was outside your comfort zone, and so... You are just fabulous. And thank you so much. So before we sign off, I have to tell you about the exciting giveaway that I'm going to have coming up. I have two pairs of tickets to give away to the Project Runway event here in Baltimore. Paulject Runway is the hippest fashion show on four Pauls and it's coming up on Friday, April 29th. So this is a big event. It's going to be at the Pier 6 Pavilion in downtown Baltimore, and there's going to be so many amazing people there who are all going to be doing a runway fashion show strut event to show off the shelter dogs. It's a big fundraiser for the Barks, which is the Baltimore uh, Open Admission Animal Shelter that takes in more than 11,000 animals a year, and also for the Show Your Soft Side campaign. So You might remember that our guest, April Darty, who you heard in the Believe in Dog podcast on episode 40, April is going to be one of the runway models that'll be strutting her stuff for Project Runway. There's also going to be a ton of Ravens football players, as well as many other NFL football players. You're going to see many professional musicians and, uh, local celebrities, like radio station and news personalities. The person I'm probably most excited to see is Tori Smith, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, and also his wife, Chanel. They are huge uh, barks and adoption and rescue shelter supporters. And I'm super excited to have the opportunity to see them up close. Also, if you're a cat person, you might recognize Sterling Trapking Davis, who is a founder and CEO of Trapking Humane Cat Solutions. Um, You might know John Rallo, who's an MMA fighter, Uh, Ronnie Stanley of the Baltimore Ravens, Dan Tillery, who's a singer and songwriter based out of Baltimore. This really is like a huge star-studded event, and I have two pairs of tickets to give away. So what we're going to do is you're going to have to go and find me at Believe in Dog Podcast on Instagram, and I'm going to be having a post that will drop on April 10th. That is 410 for all my Baltimore people. That is our our area code, in case anybody's wondering. So make sure that you go to Believe in Dog podcast on Instagram on April 10th for the instructions on how to enter. But if you would like to get a head start on your entering and maybe get up to 10 bonus entries, then you can go to your iTunes or whatever podcast app you're listening on and leave a five-star rating and review for the Believe in Dog podcast. So anybody who leaves the five-star rating and review will get 10 extra entries into the giveaway. And the ratings and reviews have to be posted by no later than April 10th to be considered for the drawing. Now, I will just mention that I'm not paying for any kind of travel or anything. So I suggest that you be local to Baltimore for the event. but I'm going to be there. I'm super excited about this. Of course, haven't had it in a couple years because of COVID. And I'm really excited to to see it in person. And of course, to cheer on April from the Believe in Dog podcast. So make sure you go right now to follow Believe in Dog podcast with underscores between each word on Instagram. Of course, I'll have a link in the show note for you too. And until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Podcast is a production of Hugs and Belly Rubs, LLC.